Thanks for tuning in to Redeeming Grace Bible Church. Here at Redeeming Grace Bible Church, it's our full conviction, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We pray as a result of this sermon, you come to see and know Christ more clearly, and if you do not yet know Christ, that you might also come to see him as Lord and Savior. Speaker today, um, Cliff Chris. I uh, was just thinking, even as we were singing um, when we were in Grand Prairie, Cliff was working for uh, 97.7 uh, Rock FM. Um, yeah, anyways, the rock station there. And uh, uh, while we were at Coromdale, the Lord was pleased to save Cliff and just to make him a, a trophy of His grace. And so, just an overjoyed to fellowship with him this weekend and uh, just to hear him singing praise to God. Um, blesses my heart tremendously. So <laughs> just uh, think you were once a voice over the radio now praising Christ. And he um, and his family moved to Lethbridge, Willow. They have five children. And uh, around actually the same time, I was um, brought on with HeartCry and, and helped in that way and entered into full-time ministry. Around the same time, Cliff also was uh, supported by HeartCry. And then the church in Lethbridge, uh, Grace Community Reformed Baptist Church, I hope I got that right, um, along with Pastor Ryan Case there, Cliff came into full-time pastoral work as well. And so just been a joy to catch up with him and uh, his son Joseph is with us too. And uh, they'll be making their way home today. So uh, just, uh, yeah, I know you'll be blessed by, by Cliff and his heart for the Lord, for his word. So without uh, further ado, I'll invite Cliff to come and bring the word to us this morning. So I got to grab a tissue already. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. All right, well, thank you for the warm welcome. And it is quite evident for me, your love for Jesus Christ, even as you sing and as you welcome one another, it has been good to hear. And that is the Christian life, is increasing in the love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that will be uh, some of our focus for today, um, I won't, I'll spare you more of an intro about myself, but would love to sort of answer any questions and get to know some of you a little bit more after. Um, that is wonderful. I will say that you've also been given a gift uh, from the Lord in a wonderful godly pastor and men that are leading this church. And that is a gift from the Lord. And uh, years ago, we, uh, my wife and I sort of were, were mentored in, the, in, in a sense from uh, Aaron and his wife. But someone told us, you know, at the time when we were first getting married, find a, find a, a couple who had been married about seven years at least to sort of follow along. So a lot of that was actually watching and learning. And so I would encourage you uh, to imitate uh, Aaron and his wife as they imitate Christ and give thanks for them and as, as well. And I'm happy to bring a good report about some of the work the Lord has been doing here. I'm so glad to see it with my eyes, but I'm excited to get back to Lethbridge and let the people know there about what the Lord has been pleased to do and continues to do, and will continue in prayer. 
saying all that, there is a quote from an old minister named Thomas Vincent that I've spent a lot of time thinking about this summer. I've been preaching through the person and work of Christ from different gospel accounts. And I'm convinced that we need to learn to love Him more. We will not follow Him if we do not love Him. And we will not love Him and follow Him if we do not know Him. Thomas Vincent says this, True Christians love Christ because of His wondrous love. He bears to them. He loves them with a first love and with a, with a free love. He loves them with a tender and compassionate love. With an active or a doing love. With a passive or suffering love. His love is infinite. Without bounds or limits. His love is superlative. Without comparison. His love is transcendent. Beyond comprehension. His love is immutable. Without change. His love is eternal. Without termination or end. I don't expect you to remember that quote. I have been trying, but I'll most likely forget myself. And that is because we have a tendency to forget. There are a number of reasons why that happens to us. We can get distracted, oftentimes by lesser things. The world has many allurements. We often find ourselves caught up in these and then coming back. Remembering Him is is so vital, so important for us. That's why we come. That's why we're gathered here today. That's why we're singing and learning catechisms. This is a marked out time to remember God and worship Him. I'm so thankful for the Lord's Day that puts us in a position to remember as we turn our eyes and our hearts and our minds from our cares and worries, from our troubles, from the vanity fair that is this world, from our leisures and works, we turn them to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. As we think and know who He is and the great love that is lavished upon our hearts, hopefully our love for Him will grow. Would you open up your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 14? And as you're doing that, would you also rise, stand for the reading of God's Word? Mark 14. Our text will be primarily in 17 to 25, but we'll start in verse 12. Mark 14, verse 12. This is the Word of God. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful 
and say to him one after another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God remains forever. You may be seated. Well, in our section of Scripture, the Gospel writer Mark has for us the Passover meal. And not just any Passover meal, the final Passover meal and the beginning of the Lord's Supper. And for our short time together, I want us to focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ, which will hopefully lead us to a greater love for Him. I want us to remember. We, like any Christian past and present, must remember our ultimate deliverance. And so to help us, we will look at three headlines from the text. The first headline is betrayal. The second headline is blessing. And the third headline to help us remember is better. Betrayal, blessing, better. Verse 17. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. Our scene takes place on Thursday night of Passion Week during Passover. It's important that we are reminded about what the Passover was. This was a yearly celebration. As we read Psalm 121, the Song of Ascents. Worshippers of Yahweh, this was for them to remember what God had done in the past. If you're falling asleep, you can start reading Exodus chapter 12. They were remembering the deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt. So the Lord raised up Moses to lead God's people out of Egypt. And in that deliverance, we have some of the familiar Bible truths about the ten plagues, about a guy named Pharaoh and Israel's bitter enslavement, God's judgment, God's wrath against the oppressors. The ultimate last act of judgment was the killing of every firstborn. The only way that the Israelites could escape the angel of death, the only way for the firstborns could be spared from immediate death was if each household took a lamb that was without blemish, a year old. The Passover lamb. And they killed it and they put the blood of that lamb on the doorposts and the lintel of the houses. And then they made a meal with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And they roasted the lamb and ate it. Israelite families were instructed by the Lord to eat it with haste. Eat it quickly. This was not 
your regular lunch that you might have during harvest. You sort of scarf something down. They had to be ready to leave, to exit Egypt with their families and their flocks and their herds. The blood on the door from the sacrificial lamb was put there so that the angel of death would pass over that house. And they were kept safe from God's judgment which came upon the whole land of Egypt. They continued with these celebrations for over a thousand years. Remembering God's deliverance for them and also they looked forward to an ultimate liberation. This eventually came. And has come to us, not any Passover lamb, but Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we need to be delivered from slavery to sin. And so God raised up Jesus Christ to lead his people out. It's his blood that protects us from the judgment and wrath of God because of our sins. It is the blood of Jesus Christ who was put to death on a cross. That covers you. You must take refuge in him. It is the blood of the lamb that you need spread on the lintel of your soul. You don't need to overcomplicate it. God has provided a savior. Children, you can get this. Jesus is the one who is perfect. He is a man. He was a God man. And he had no sins. He is the one who died. As a sacrifice. And he took all of God's anger. Anger for sin. Sins like hurting somebody. Or sins like disobedience. Or lying. Or making these things make God angry. Because God is holy. He is a just God. And he doesn't let anyone anywhere get away with these things. He does not let anyone get away with doing wrong. And we have all done wrong things. Every single person on earth has sinned. And God knows that and in His great love sent forth His Son, Jesus. And so what we have to do, and we learned a little bit today, is we need to acknowledge our sin. And we need to trust in Jesus. Put your faith in Him. No more hiding our sins. No more trying to save ourselves. No more trying to do or say things that make mom or dad happy or your teacher or your pastor or your grandma or grandpa. Put your trust in Jesus. Only He can save you because the punishment that was due for you fell on Him instead of you. Crushed Him and not you if you trust Him. He took your place. What we have to do is acknowledge our sin and trust in Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has done right. He has clean clothes. His robes for mine. We have dirty ones. And He gives us those clean clothes when we believe in Him. Jesus is the only one that can save. And listen, this is good news. He saves all who come to Him. So Jesus was in the room with the twelve disciples and they were reclining at the table And the author wants us to see and think. This is really intimate fellowship. They're not eating this meal standing like they did in Exodus. This looks a lot different. Jesus is also washing feet. You can find that in a parallel passage in John. They're celebrating and they're eating and they're singing. This is an extended period of time. And what does Jesus say? 
Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. This is our first headline to remember. Betrayal. In that culture and time, if you ate with somebody in this way or shared a meal and then they betrayed you, that was a terrible offense. It was almost unheard of for someone to injure the person who showed them such great hospitality. Jesus was hosting this Passover meal in what we now know as the upper room. On this end of history, we know who it was that betrayed Jesus. But the disciples, except for Judas, in the room didn't know. It was being unfolded, but Jesus knew. I think one of the primary reasons this is written the way it is, is for us to examine ourselves. I think this was for them to examine themselves. Who could it be, the disciples asked. And so we're all here. We're all in the same boat. They're saying we saw the same things, the same miracles, the same healings. We heard these things. Could it, could it be me? I hope it's not me. At least I think some of them were asking that. Judas, the one, what was he thinking in that time? How much was he considering just those few silver pieces he was going to betray Jesus for? I think it would have been on the top of his mind. And Jesus says, it's one of the twelve, one who is dipping his bread into the dish with me. And we could all assume that they were doing that at this meal. Judas wasn't exposed at this time to the group. But one of the takeaways has to be, they didn't look around and accuse and blame others. They looked inward. Most of them, it appears, did that. And so, we don't look, we don't look very far from that. We're all here. We're all in the same position. Are we in the same position spiritually? Are you? I wouldn't be a very good preacher or even a loving person if I didn't ask this question. Are you in the faith? We're called to examine ourselves and you might do that now. Those examination questions, they could be a few or they might just be a couple. They might be many. And here's the thing. These questions are not, did you do good things this week? They are not, did you prepare a sermon? They are not, did you come to church? The the main question is this, are you in the faith? Do you love Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in Him? Have you experienced the forgiveness of sins? Are you devoted to Him? Have you acted in Christian love to a brother or sister? Are you seeking forgiveness? Are you being merciful as He has given you mercy? Have you received this mercy? Are you coming back to Jesus when you slip up? Or are you betraying Him now in unbelief? Have you, like Judas, rejected the love of Christ? Can you see that? We know God's sovereignty, but there is also a responsibility of man. We know God's sovereignty, but Judas is the one who acted. Judas is the one who made decisions. He stole from the money bag. He was deceptive. He betrayed Jesus. And I think Jesus was loving here. There was a time for this not to happen. He could have said, it's, it's me. And I'm sorry. 
And this is a warning to be sure to Judas. Hey, I know what you're up to. What we see is grace. But Judas was hardened. Look at verse 21. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Remember the betrayal. It is better for anyone not to be born than to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is we have all been born into sin, rejecting God. And He was ultimately betrayed. He was the one. He willingly hung and died on the cross so we could be forgiven. What grace. What unfathomable love. And if you're saying, I remember my times of betrayal. Why do I always seem to be turning my back on Him? I've done this so many more times than I can count this week. Listen, Christian, do not dwell in that despair. Don't dwell there. Don't discredit your love for Him in guilt. You might say to yourself, oh, I do love Him. I do. And then remember, His way is easy. Remember His peace and His faithfulness and His call to you to return. Finding comfort and assurance. You might join in with the hymn writer that says this, my Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine. For Thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Thou. If ever I love my Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. And I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love my Jesus, tis now. If I love thee in life, I will love thee in death. And praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath. And say, when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee... Jesus, tis now. It's a good time for our second headline to remember, blessing. Jesus was using familiar elements of this Passover. He was making modifications to the meal to bring a new covenant. And with it, He was bringing a new means of grace. And those who know your Bibles, you know exactly... If you're reading them in, in this way, in the best way, you might be saying, well, this isn't exactly a new, a new thing. This is a promised covenant. An anticipated one. And you're right. The old was being fulfilled in Jesus Christ who lived in a perfect obedience and righteousness according to God's standard. And now we see a promise that was actually foretold from a long ago. Jeremiah 31, that chapter is all about the Lord turning mourning into joy. And the grandest example of that work He will do is found in verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Then I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God in Jesus is making a way for people to have a redeemed relationship with Him. They will know Him. And 
He will do everything needed to make this happen. Because He is the covenant-making and most importantly, the covenant-keeping God. Verse 22. And as they were eating, He took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, take, this is My body. While Jesus was in His own body, this would soon be nailed to a cross. Jesus connects here the bread. Again, the disciples would look back on this time after His body was on the cross. They would look back at the sacrifice that was made. After He rose again, it would be clear, oh, that's, that's what He was getting at in that room. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. There are certainly century-old debates on the meaning of the bread and the wine and the body and the blood and the Lord's Supper. For us this morning, I want you to see what Jesus says plainly. Take. This is my body. Other accounts say "This this is for you. Remember the blessing. Was his body bread? You need to ask yourselves questions. He is the bread of life. There's no life without Jesus. There's no eternal life without Jesus Christ. How literal do we want to be here? Was he an actual door? Well, he was the entry into heaven. No one can come to the Father except through him. Was he a vine? Well, he was a vine that all must be connected to in order to have life. It is offered to you. The sacrificial lamb is for you. Jesus is given. God gave his son. Receive him by faith. When you take the bread together as a church, you are united as a body of Christ. You're actually declaring Him until He returns in body to collect His bride. The bread is strengthening your faith. It is feeding your faith. Some of you might be malnourished. This is a means of grace. And Jesus is the great shepherd of Psalm 23 who leads us and provides for us. The one who protects us and restores us. And man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from Christ. Take. He has been provided. Jesus is the one who fed the 5,000, the 4,000, and asked His disciples to help, but He provided everything. Amen. He led those followers to green pastures. When we pray, the Lord has instructed us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. In some cases, that might mean actual bread. We do need food, and the Lord knows that, but not everyone eats bread. In the greater sense, we are praying that the Lord would provide everything needed for us for His kingdom to come and His will to be done. That's what we're asking for in that prayer. Jesus is everything we need. His body sacrificed is what we need to be reconciled to God. And also we will see His blood. And He took a cup, verse 23. And when He had given thanks, He gave it to them and they all drank of it. This part was customary for the Passover meal. A few times 
during the meal, a cup with wine mixed with water would be enjoyed. Along with, of course, the lamb, but also the bitter herbs. And the bitter herbs reminded them about the bitterness of enslavement in Egypt. And now this cup, this cup, a cup of blessing. They gave thanks and were reminded of the blood shed. No doubt, the blood on the doorposts when the Lord passed over their homes in judgment. The Lord's table now helps us to look back, but it also helps us to keep looking forward. Thousands of sacrifices, one sacrifice. Lots of times at the table together, one great messianic banquet, feast, that we will enjoy with him. Verse 24, and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many. The Lord has these words in Zechariah, as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. The old has become new. At one point, Moses took blood and he threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And of course, they broke the covenant time and time again. And more blood was shed and splattered. But the blood spilt from the Lamb of God was the atonement. And it was poured out for many. Many doesn't mean all. It wasn't poured out for Judas. He rejected Jesus. He ate. He ate with him at many times. But he didn't eat the bread of life. He probably drank wine, but he had no true communion with God through Jesus Christ. It isn't poured out for you if you reject Jesus in the gospel. I want you to know, especially for those of us who are a little bit more hesitant to get too excited about things, many doesn't mean hardly any either. It means many peoples from all tribes and tongues and nation will worship the Lamb that was slain. A countless multitude. That's exciting. You know what I love about that? Is that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve this unmerited favor. We don't deserve this mercy. Jesus didn't deserve to have His blood shed, but it happened. He shed His blood for His people to set them free, to atone for all sins, past, present, and future. Remember this blessing. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the satisfactory sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats, whatever else, could never atone for sins. But Hebrews assures us, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Jesus entered into the most holy place. The book of Hebrews really shows us the work of Christ in the new covenant. It says he entered into the most holy place, not made with human hands. By his own blood, he secured eternal redemption. Your eternal redemption, your salvation is secured not by the blood of a little year old lamb, not by the blood of a red heifer, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, who took on flesh, 
lived and died and rose again in victory. It is appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. Jesus Christ was the one offered to bear the sins of many. Do you see Him? Do you believe Him? And do you love Him? One Bible study note says the communion wine corresponds to the covenant establishing once and for all shed blood of Jesus as the atonement for many. Amen. Christian, remember the blessing His body. Take, eat, and remember. Christian, remember His blood, the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink. I want to remind you that this is a new covenant and I said that the old has been fulfilled. That doesn't mean Old Testament. You still need to come next week when Pastor Aaron rolls through 1 Samuel. But what you need to see as he does is Christ. You might be thinking for the first time, I'd love to get a, I'd love to get a part of this. I'd love to have a, a relationship with the Lord through Jesus. I'd love to have the burden of my sin gone and enjoy life everlasting. Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus would add, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And so come. Come to him. Without money. Without price. Finally, we remember the better. We talked about this better covenant. The better promise. Jesus Christ has made the old covenant obsolete. But that's the old promise. Again, don't hear Old Testament. If the old covenant were faultless, there would have been no need for a new one. But it wasn't. The old covenant always reminded us of sin and guilt. And the need for ultimate deliverance. The new covenant assures of salvation and redemption. And relationship in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The old covenant always reminded of sin and guilt. And the need for ultimate deliverance. The new covenant assures of salvation. And redemption. And relationship in Jesus Christ. That Christ was provided for and He alone fulfilled the old and brought the new so that we might be brought near to God. In Him we are washed and purified with His Spirit in us. His blood has purified our consciences so that we might fully live with Him and for Him now and forevermore. The words of Jesus in verse 25, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is something better to remember. This is the part where we look ahead. Those in that room would soon remember those words and it would make sense for them. For us, I hope it's crystal clear. Jesus, the one exalted, the one who ascended and sat down at the right hand of the Father is returning. And He's bringing the promise into that at a time when He will drink from the vine in restored and complete, perfect fellowship with His own. Let's turn to Revelation 19. 
If you don't mind with me, I'm going to read verses 6 and 8. 6 to 8. Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Let's continue. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Here we have a pure bride with the great mighty reigning God. The already in some senses as we look forward to the not yet. Remember this, He keeps His promises. In the meantime, we have heard the importance of remembering our deliverance with the headline of betrayal which is ultimately the rejection of God and the rejection of Jesus Christ. For that we have the words repent and believe. Turn by faith. Believe by His grace in the one who was betrayed but offers redemption. The only mediator between God and man. And we have heard and hopefully we have seen the headline Remember the Blessing. The blessings of God who took on flesh. Jesus Christ who was without sin, without blemish, sacrificed on the cross so that we may experience peace with God. And then remembering the blood shed, the blood of the new covenant in Christ. Jesus' blood that opens up a way of redemption and relationship with Him. A wonderful promise to many. They gave thanks at that Passover and we need to do the same. When we take, as Christians, we remember, we remember our deliverance from sin and death to everlasting life. We remember what we were delivered from. We remember that it, what it took to deliver us, and we remember what we are delivered to. The short answer is Jesus Christ. The long answer is Jesus Christ. This is all Him, and always will be. If you're a crummy Christian, remember Christ. If you're a happy Christian, remember Christ. If you're a sad Christian, remember Christ. If you're impatient, if you're sorrowful, if you're broken hearted, feed on Christ daily, but especially at the table that is prepared for his bride, that he has prepared for you. And just as our verse 26 says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I hope that we will sing and rejoice at the love that has found us and calls us. But first, the last part of our quote from Thomas Vincent, and I'll close. 
He loved them when they were polluted in their sins and washed them with His own blood. He loved them when they were naked in their own souls and clothed them with robes of righteousness. He loves them in their sickness and sorrows and is their comforter. He loves them in their needs and straits and is their benefactor. He loves them in life and is the life of their souls. He loves them at death and is the stay of their hearts. And He loves them after death and will be their portion forever. Let us pray. Lord God, we are overwhelmed that the love that has found us, that has been shown, Father, perfectly through Your Son, Jesus Christ, that has been manifested. And I pray that You would cause our hearts to grow in love for this One who loved us perfectly and continues to do so. Would You help us to remember the One that was betrayed but offers forgiveness to any who shall call upon Him. And may it be so today. O Lord, that we might remember the blessing, the blessings of this body and blood. O God, would You help us to remember the better, the better covenant, the better sacrifice, the best in Jesus. Stir up our affections for Him and receive our worship and praise in His name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon preached at Redeeming Grace Bible Church. If you'd like to find out more about Redeeming Grace Bible Church, or find other sermons and resources, please visit us online at www.redeeminggracechurch.ca. We pray that the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.